Hello, friends. Uh, welcome. It's uh, Location Weekly, your favorite podcast show of the week. Uh, this is episode number 628. We're recording on July the 11th. And Aubriana, how are you? I am doing well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Yeah, you know, it's it's hot. It's uh, humid. It's, uh, you know, Vladdy won the home run derby for us last night. So there's that, you know. Got the all-star game tonight. Yeah. Lots to look forward to. We're really like that middle of the year, middle of the season. Yes. Yes. Lots going on to like just energy in the in the city, festivals everywhere here. Um, you know, music, food, and yeah. So lots of fun things to do too. So all right. We have a, a regular show for you this week, four stories that we're going to walk you through, uh, and I'll let Abriana kick it off with some girl power. Yeah, I mean, we can call it girl power. I am not a Barbie girl, but I might have some interest in seeing the movie. I did watch the trailer last night, and it was like a different spin than I was expecting. So, you know, um, there's just so much hype around it. You've got like Barbie partnerships rolling out left and right with I saw like Ruggable has a Barbie, you know, opportunity that's happening and, and um, now Barbie's going AR all over the world so they have synced up with Snapchat, and like this AR lens that they are promoting so the the movie is coming out on the 21st from Warner Brothers discovery and so snapchat now has this augmented reality campaign that's featuring virtual clothing that you can try on so i might be into that that could be fun i'm sure my kids would love that and then the landmark experiences so the the um clothes obviously in the movie are like all the rage you know barbie clothes all have been like you know just pink and and all of like Chanel and all of these amazing amazing things um and then you've got Ryan Gosling you know of course as Ken who's like wearing hilariously like matched and coordinated outfits with Barbie it's great so in addition to that though you can transform some real world landmarks um into like Barbie's pink pastel color palette if you will so some of those include the Statue of Liberty that apparently launched on June 30th I have not been over there lately so I have not tried it but also in Los Angeles, you can try out the, the Chinese theater um, and then the Capitol building in D.C. So um, they're going to also launch Eiffel Tower in Paris, Coliseum in Rome, the Tower Bridge in London and Sydney Harbour Bridge in Australia and then Bradenburg Gate in Berlin. So some really big landmarks. Um, and it's cute. You know, it's fun. It's like making this Barbie land of these iconic landmarks around the world and giving people kind of an opportunity to try on outfits. Obviously, um, they say Barbie has a global audience of over 750 million active users. That's a lot. You know, my girls are not super into Barbie. They have a couple of things, but they don't really play with them apart from, you know, the occasional bathtub pool party. Um, That's like the extent of it. But I think that this is like interesting. It just has such a reach and like it has changed from being kind of maybe I don't know, very like body, not so friendly uh, for girls growing up to now. It's like a very inclusive thing, Barbie. Uh, So I think it's kind of cute. You know, I like that they're like rolling out this new kind of take on Barbie's personality and her exploring the real world um, alongside of all of these landmarks and some of the AR campaigns. So it's fun, but nothing like technologically groundbreaking here. 
No, and I think obviously from a location point of view, the, I think the landmark piece is super interesting. I think it's a very good use case of uh, Snapchat's uh, lens in that sense. And I think you know playing on the the global appeal of you know uh, the Barbie brand that you you referred to, uh, and then like choosing these sort of major landmarks all over the world. Uh, and, and kind of recreating them in kind of Barbie land, if you will, uh, in an AR sense. Uh, I think that makes a ton of sense, right? And I think I think that um, you know people will have fun with this. I think I can see families having fun with this. I think I'm with you too. On you know, it's it's changed a lot over the years. I know my sister growing up, you know, had a couple Barbies and whatnot. But now it's like it's so inclusive. It, there's so much diversity and and uh you know reflected within that you know ecosystem that is barbie now so i think it's it's interesting and yeah and the hype is huge like everywhere i go right now uh whether it's the local uh hardware store or you know whatever there's there's some barbie promotion going on uh it's kind of interesting to see like how entrenched they are with this um so yeah, I, uh, I I think it's a good play. Like I'm with you on the tech side. There's it obviously this is not new. You know we're not breaking new ground here, but I do think it's a really good layer on top of the physical world with uh, with the landmark lenses that that's happening here. So very cool. Lots of fun. Yeah. Um, all right. On to our second story now. So one of the big announcements in the last week is the launch of Threads, the new. Twitter-like or Twitter rival, if you will, uh, from Meta. Um, and, uh, you know, I downloaded this and uh, have kind of registered for it. It was very easy to do um, because uh, it's coming from Meta. So if you already have an Instagram or Facebook account, you can basically just sign in, uh, uh, you know, with your existing profile. Uh, I haven't done any posting on it yet. Uh, but I have looked through, you know, the feed. Uh, it's very, very similar, uh, if not exactly the same as um, the way that uh, Twitter works, uh, for those familiar with how, you know, Twitter has been operating. A couple of kind of differences that, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of noted is that uh, the character uh, length um, is 500 characters, whereas uh, Twitter's is is still shorter than that. Uh, but you know, had that cap, you know, when they first launched too. Um, so I think that's that's an interesting uh, difference. The other one is is it doesn't appear that within Threads right now there's uh, hashtags or searching based on you know keywords or things like that. Um, so for me, that's something that you know needs to be there. Like I from uh, business perspective, uh, you know, I was, you know, always a big user of Twitter um, and and used it as a research tool, uh, you know, who's talking about this right now or, you know, what articles are, are people posting about, you know, this topic or this, you know, with this keyword or this hashtag. So, you know, I assume that's something that will come over time. Uh, the other thing that uh, I think is interesting because it's of the linkage between uh, threads and, and Instagram, um, the number of photos you can post uh, is much higher than in the Twitter one. So it's it's 10, um, you know, which is the same as what you have in, in Instagram. Um, so I think that's, uh, you know, also an, a, an interesting distinction there. 
and and it's growing fast, right? From a brand and advertising perspective, they've already you know uh, have more than ten million users um, in the first you know couple of days. I think it's like almost twenty now. Um, so it's um, you know it's it's growing fast. I think from an advertising point of view, um, I can see this as a major threat to Twitter because. Um, brands and agencies are already used to spending money with Twitter, uh, sorry, with Facebook and Instagram and the meta platforms. And so they have the accounts, they have, you know, you know, those things already set up. So it's not going to be a big leap for them to jump and say, Hey, we'll also advertise on, on threads, um, you know, or run it across, you know, all three platforms, um, you know, within the meta universe as opposed to Twitter, you know, which is still struggling to find, you know, revenue models. So I think uh, it is a, a major threat. Um, and then the last comment is when it comes to, um, you know, sort of the uh, the data side of things, um, because we're dealing with meta, um, you know, they're tracking everything. So just, you know, know that uh, when you're using this, um, somebody uh, posted, um, I think it was actually Jack Dorsey posted in response to, to a question, um, the privacy policy, but uh, just, to, to, just to, to, to list it off, they're tracking, they say the following data may be collected and linked to your identity, health and fitness, financial info, contact info, user content, browsing history, purchases, location, contacts, search history, and identifiers. So everything, basically. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, I think, the caution here. But uh, if you're already comfortable with Instagram and Facebook, then you should probably be fine with this too. So thoughts? Yeah, I do see this as a major threat to Twitter, actually. I think that, um, you know, the fact that Facebook and Instagram already have mass adoption, it makes it very simple for them to go in. And I mean, just scrolling through like my LinkedIn feed and seeing the amount of people who have decided to completely cut off Twitter after, you know, years of of time and tenure and investment on that platform and, you know, maybe millions of, of followers, um, you know, I think it's it's really interesting to see that they're they're angry and fed up enough to just leave and go somewhere else. And so, yes, we all know what data is being captured. We've been dealing with that for years. That's not going to be changing, I am sure, because they monetize that um, and continue to kind of grow their their walled garden approach there. Uh, but I just read, I think the it's now like 100 million users are on there. So, you know, that it's gaining mass adoption and you know, I did link my account. I have not posted anything. So we will see like if that's something I want to <laughs> invest my time in in the future. I don't know. Um, I think I've like moved my consumer behavior after everything happened at Twitter. I just was like, okay, I'm kind of done for a little while, like taking a break and stepping away from most social media platforms. But, you know, this could be a resurgence. It could be a, an invitation for people to get involved again. So it's one I, I definitely want to pay attention to and keep a pulse on. Well, um, you know, and and we do post this this podcast show on, on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I, probably the, this week or next, we should uh, start to post it on threads as well and see what happens. Probably so, yeah, we might switch that up. Um, right, right. So, you know, kind of thinking about personas and targeting um, and in that same same thread, same vein, I would say that we uh, had this announcement. It's not really a big story, but 
you know, our third story today is about a company called Nano Interactive, and they uh, are based out of London, and they've launched what they're calling identity personas, um, which they say can help marketers um, target their advertising without the use of cookies. So not everybody has the repository of data like a, a meta may have. So um, being able to tap into certain identity and personas is always important for many brands, marketers, advertisers, um, wherever they are spending on their media. So they have this platform that they have debuted now, um, and it's really like intent personas, so allowing brands to reach specific demographics without relying upon any personal kind of data. Now, there's not a lot of notes here in terms of like the methodology or how they're going about this, but, um, you know, the CEO is really saying that it's empowering brands to reach those demographics without relying on any personal data and that they've conducted research that show that 70% of consumers are masking their um, online identity on a weekly basis. So they're kind of going through and I guess like clearing out their cookies or doing things that would make uh, tracking them a little bit more difficult. So. I don't think this is necessarily new, right? Like, I don't think this is groundbreaking. I think there's a lot of companies that are offering cookie-less um, targeting opportunities, whether that's through hashed email or, you know, data crosswalks, data clean rooms. There's a million different ways. Well, maybe not a million, but there's like, you know, probably 10 different ways that you could match data sets um, and activate through different platforms and different media types. So I don't think that this is anything groundbreaking and it's kind of like, so what? Um, but, you know, I think that more and more we are seeing uh, the focus of like, hey, how do I keep things more privacy centric? How do I make sure that I can reach the right audience? Um, and then how do I measure against that? So, you know, I think they're just maybe trying to get in here on on the game and the trends. But but, you know, it's something that we can keep a pulse on and see. Yeah. So, um you know, as far as the trend of, you know, cookie-less uh, targeting and, and kind of yeah, enabling that, I think that it's it, absolutely everybody's searching for ways to do that. So I think from a positioning point of view, Nano's, uh, Nano Interactive is in a good space here. So this company has been around since 2014. Uh, the two of the founders, you know, come from uh, ValueClick, which then became Conversant. Um, they've raised a bunch of money, um, from what I, I, I can tell, uh, over 9 million, um, pounds, uh, in, in, uh, in funding. Um, so, you know, they're, they're well capitalized, uh, from that perspective, uh, they have offices, you know, throughout Europe, um, which is where they, where they operate. Um, yeah. And I think intent-based targeting is, is kind of, you know, one of the key, places we're at right now, right? Even with my startup at ground level, like, you know, we now have uh, personas for targeting as well, um, based on, you know, sort of cohort type of, uh, you know, audiences. So like, these are luxury shoppers, these are, you know, stay-at-home moms, these are whatever, um, based on kind of where they've been, but it's all, you know, sort of non-identifiable anonymous uh, information, right? So, um, so, so I think that there's a lot going on in this space for sure. And I think this is, you know, sort of one of the approaches that we're seeing in terms of how uh, we're getting around the privacy issues right now. So good on them. Good timing. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving over to now our uh, final story. So this one, um, 
is is also interesting. So there's there's a company uh, out there called Good Maps, um, and I believe we've talked about these guys before. Not recently, like probably about two years ago now. Um, and so they've launched an update uh, to their uh, platform, um, uh, which uh, which they're calling Good Maps Outdoors Version Five. And what's new about this is is um, is it's really sort of well situated for uh, focusing on folks who are visually impaired. Um, so this is a navigation and mapping application. So think sort of ways or uh, something or Apple Maps, but uh, for um, navigating for visually impaired and 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 uh, you know other things like that. And one of the key pieces of this that is part of this new announcement is that they've incorporated um, 3D audio announcements uh, into the navigational shortcuts. And what I like about this is the way that they've gone about this, I think is interesting. So Microsoft, um, going back in time here, you know, as all these big companies do, had a research project uh, running um, called Soundscape 3D. And they shut this this project down uh, late last year. Um, uh, they had originally started it back in 2017. They completely, uh, you know, sunset it or shut it down. Um, but that was the sort of the intent of the Soundscape Tech uh, platform that my, my Microsoft had developed, which was to support you know audio based announcements and and cues in navigation for visually impaired people uh, to better know you know what's going on in their surroundings. Um, and so it would tie into kind of the, the phone sensors. And then as a, as a user walks by on notable roads or intersections, you know, it, it's uh, kind of less turn by turn and more like audio announcements. Here's where you're at right now, or um, tying into beacons and kind of giving these kind of audio notifications of what's going on. So they shut it down uh, and then they basically took all the, the soundscape code uh, and they released it um, open source in GitHub for anyone to play with. And so Good Maps has obviously jumped on top of this and said, hey, this, this is exactly what we need. Uh, and we're building this into you know, our, our latest version here and, and supporting it from that point of view. So, um, and, and these guys have been at it for 20 plus years. So it's, it's, it's you, you know, I, I love to see when good technology and good intentions come together and you know, find a way to live on even though like there might not be you know a commercial intent for it as Microsoft had originally envisioned you know the technology is living on in in an interesting and useful way so yeah I mean there's two things that I I think this is a feel good story one I think I like the surprising fact that they're based out of Louisville Kentucky it's like random uh but you know I think that their mission is just like so beautiful. And I just wanted to read that. It says born out of the American printing house for the blind, an organization whose mission is to promote the independence of individuals who are blind and visually impaired. Good maps is developing and commercializing new technologies and pushing the boundaries of indoor mapping and positioning systems. So it's like, it's just like nice to know that in this industry where we are always so like marketing and advertising driven, I love these stories that come out and are talking about like how we're using technology to actually help people um, or help a group of people who, you know, maybe need a little bit more support in order to simply navigate life. Right. So I think this is like a really uh, great company and I, and I like this story a lot. 
There you go. So that's our four stories for this week. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Um, if you have story ideas, please reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to hear about them. Uh, if you have feedback for us, we want that too, as usual. Um, if you're on threads, uh, let us know about that, because uh, hopefully we'll be posting on there as well. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week with another show. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.